Hello, this is Natalie Wright, Product Manager at Breckenridge, and welcome to the Breckenridge Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Terrace, a member of our credit team, and Andrew will be talking about one of the most closely followed issues for municipal credit, the challenges in infrastructure. Andrew will reference his recent white paper, Infrastructure Accounting, a Blind Spot Facing Investors, available on our website. So Andrew, let's start out with why you've written this piece. Many stakeholders have become increasingly concerned about the state of America's infrastructure. So we've heard this a lot from policymakers, voters, civil engineers, and a lot of different places. Uh, Even more attention is being paid to this issue, to the issue of uh, infrastructure condition, um, now that President-elect Trump has signaled he'd like to, to increase spending on infrastructure to do something about this issue. So there's a great deal of market research detailing infrastructure needs and estimating infrastructure health in general, but we think investors should be aware of certain pitfalls in existing state and local government infrastructure accounting. Uh, These pitfalls make it difficult to assess the condition of infrastructure assets at the individual local government level. This is important because for some cities, counties, and school districts, decaying infrastructure could be an even bigger problem than other things that that also tend to get a lot of headlines like pension liabilities, for example. The problem is that in many cases, we just don't have a good sense of the magnitude of the problem when looking at one local government versus another. All right, so the next question is, we often hear of the problems with infrastructure and municipal credits in the aging of infrastructure. This is something that's covered all the time in the media and in market research. Are things really as bad as they say they are? Well, it, it's hard to say exactly. In general, you know, there, there's widespread acknowledgement that infrastructure needs are a problem. You see it uh, documented in many different places. So, uh, for example, the American Society of Civil Engineers, they assigned a grade of D-plus to U.S. infrastructure health. Um, they estimate that based on current trajectory, existing funding, funding streams will fall $1.4 trillion short of required improvements over the next 10 years. Um, you know, other places uh, cite similar type claims. So the, the EPA has claims out or estimates out. The Federal Highway Inf- Administration put, puts out estimates. These total infrastructure needs in the hundreds of billions of dollars. Looking at Bureau of Economic Analysis uh, spending data, uh, it's evident that public sector in- infrastructure investment is at its lowest level in decades. So, I mean, clearly, there are, you know, for, for many different sources, it's pretty clear that we have an issue. You know, the, the other thing is that, you know, for local governments, uh, legacy pension and retiree health care costs are increasingly crowding out resources for infrastructure projects. And, you know, these types of concerns are also magnified by the need for uh, new, more resilient infrastructure to address uh, things like climate change, sea level rise, uh, things, things of that type. Okay, so with this focus on infrastructure, what are people currently doing to assess infrastructure needs? At the individual government uh, level, this is actually uh, uh, can be a difficult task. So often the easiest way for investors or, you know, taxpayers or constituents to obtain information about infrastructure condition uh, for a government is to use the reporting found in the audited financial statements. The problem is that there's a disconnect between how infrastructure assets are actually managed and the way they are reported in the financial statements. Okay, could you give us some more information about that? 
so managers of public infrastructure assets. So we're we're talking about local public works departments, um, you know, budget folks. They seek to assess infrastructure needs by estimating the cost of maintenance or upkeep uh, needed to keep uh, these infrastructure assets in a serviceable condition. By contrast, infra- the infrastructure accounting in the financial statements that's really tied to the valuation of these assets and then uh, involves applying a depreciation schedule, which is the, as many people know, would be the assumed rate of decline in the value of that asset over time. So, you know, these concepts of valuation and depreciation, these are really more just theoretical concepts that are, are actually divorced from the efforts that government officials themselves are undertaking to assess their infrastructure needs. So can you tick through some of the major issues that arise from some of the problems you're talking about with current accounting? There are a bunch of issues. We talk about more of them in the, in the actual white paper, but just to touch on a few, one of the, the main issues you know, to start off with is that um, it's really unclear about how you even value infrastructure, like public infrastructure assets. Um, so, you know, what is the value of a, of a street or a water pipe or a series of water pipes that have been in service for many decades, and they're never going to be sold? You know, accounting rules w- would um, require that these assets are valued at the historical cost of purchase or construction, but is that really the, the reflective of the actual value? So maybe it would be more accurate to record uh, these assets at the equivalent market value if the streets were told or if the water system was privatized. Um, so, you know, task of valuing these infrastructure assets is made even more complex when you're dealing with massive, uh, you know, very large government, local governments, um, like a New York City or a city of Chicago, for example, which have thousands and thousands of, of these types of assets that would re- be required to be tracked and valued. Um, another problem is that uh, there's really no standardized method for estimating how long an infrastructure asset might last, um, so how long it would remain in a serviceable condition. And so in many ways, this, these types of estimates in terms of how long these things will last is, is as much art as it is science. So accounting rules, um, which are determined by the Governmental Accounting Standards Board, or GASB, they, they only provide guidance on life cycles of infrastructure assets, um, but there's really no set standards um, that are provided. And so there's many things that can, many variables that come into play here, like, for example, geography um, and construction materials. These are things that can, that can influence the, the service life of an infrastructure assets. Um, and so what we have observed is that in many cases, um, the assumptions of service life these are revised often from community to community as reported in the financial statements. Um, and in many cases, this can produce uh, you know, significant changes or variations in reported infrastructure health. So one thing that we observed was for the city of Henderson, Nevada, in their 2015 uh, financial statements, they changed the assumed life cycle for their infrastructure from 50 years to as long as 100 years. So that's a pretty significant change. And you know what it did is when you look at the financial statements and compare them to previous years, um, you could get the impression that the city experienced some sort of dramatic change in the condition of its infrastructure, um, when really all that happened is that the city uh, just tinkered with its assumptions uh, for infrastructure life. 
Okay, so it sounds like many of the pitfalls revolve around actually valuing the assets as well as a lack of standardization in estimating the life cycles of some of these assets. Are there any other issues you can point to briefly for us with regard to current infrastructure accounting methods? Yeah, so so another issue is that the true pace of asset deterioration, it's it may not be reflected in the financial statements. Uh, this is because because depreciation methods rarely capture the actual rate of decline of an infrastructure asset. So the vast majority of governments are depreciating their assets in their financial statements using what's called the straight line method. This is the, the most simple way to record depreciation because it recognizes the rate of decline of the asset evenly over its life. Um, but of course, in reality, as most people w- would imagine, infrastructure assets don't really decline in such a clean, uniform fa- fashion. Um, you know, the, the other issue which sort of, comp- uh, you know, builds upon this is that accounting rules a- as they're currently set up make it very difficult to d- track or tell when a, a local government is deferring or putting off routine maintenance costs for infrastructure. So when this maintenance is put off, you know, the asset may be declining much, much faster than what is assumed in the depreciation schedule as reported in the financial statements. All right. Well, given that this is all such a hot button issue, what can be done to improve disclosure of local government infrastructure condition? Yeah, so it's pretty clear that that um, sort of a revamp of current accounting rules for, for infrastructure would probably be helpful. You know, one, one option would be to promote greater use of the modified approach for infrastructure reporting. So the modified approach, which is actually currently permitted under uh, current accounting rules, allows a government to forego recording depreciation of infrastructure as long as it can demonstrate that it is maintaining its assets in reasonably good condition. So the requirements uh, for this approach would include uh, maintaining a detailed inventory of infrastructure assets and generating regular condition assessment reports with disclosure of the annual maintenance spending necessary to keep the assets in what's called a state of good repair. Um, So unlike depreciation accounting, the modified approach provides insight into how governments actually manage their infrastructure assets. So if you think back to what we mentioned before, this, what what I just described here is much more in line with what's actually going on and what's actually being conducted by state and local officials when they're trying to determine what infrastructure needs they might have. It also, this approach also provides for more transparent disclosure of deferred maintenance. So when these, when these annual maintenance costs are clearly disclosed, um, that is helpful for investors and taxpayers and, and other constituents to see which uh, local governments are, state and local governments are actually keeping up with this type of maintenance spending. All that being said, there are a few flaws to this, to this modified approach, just like there are with regular depreciation uh, accounting. Um, the first is that the depreciation approach is ra- it's rarely used by full-service uh, local governments, and the reason is is because it's often uh, very time-intensive and, and costly. Um, and the other issue, well, there's a couple other issues, but well, one of the other big issues is that, again, like we talked about before, in terms of, of in terms of standardization, um, this approach also allows. Uh, a, a local government to, to set itself to determine the asset condition level that constitutes a, quote, state of good repair. 
So this, again, introduces a level of subjectivity to the analysis and makes comparability across issuers difficult. So to sum up, clearly uh, improved disclosure is needed, but despite its flaws, we think drawing from the concepts of the modified approach might be a good place to start. All right. Well, thanks so much, Andrew. For more information, please see Andrew's white paper on our website, Infrastructure Accounting, A Blind Spot Facing Investors. And we look forward to you joining us on our next podcast. Thank you.